Good evening, everybody. It's time to begin. Our first song this evening will be on page uh, 261. 261. Come we that love the Lord and let our joys be known. Join in a song of sweet accord. Join in a song of sweet accord. And thus around the throne. And thus around the throne. We're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. Let those refuse to sing who never knew our God. But children of the heavenly King, but children of the heavenly King, may speak their joys abroad, may speak their joys abroad. We're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. Then let our songs abound and every tear be dry. We're marching through Emmanuel's ground. We're marching through Emmanuel's ground to fair worlds on high, to fairer worlds on high. We're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. Reading tonight will come from Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39 from the NIV. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our next song will be on page 634. Looking to thee from day to day, trusting thy grace along the way, knowing that thou will safely keep all that is thine. Sure of thy soul redeeming love, sure of a crown of life above. Sing thy praise, I press along, Savior divine. Looking to thee, trusting thy grace, I am as happy as a true soldier can be. Nearing my own heavenly place, trusting my love, I press along. Looking to thee. After a while in heaven's bright, where there is neither sin nor night, I shall behold thee face to face, Jesus my own. 
Living with the saved ones gone before, I shall with rapture more and more praise thee forever near the bright, beautiful throne. Looking to thee, trusting thy grace, I am as happy as a true soldier can be. Nearing my own heavenly place, trusting thy love, I press along, looking to thee. Let us pray. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, hallowed be thy great and glorious name. Father, we come to thee thanking thee for this opportunity of worship. We pray our worship will be acceptable in thy sight. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that you would watch over us uh, throughout this day. Father, we're mindful of those who are sick. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would uh, be with them and their families uh, as they go through these trying times. And Father, we pray for uh, those who are grieving loss of loved ones, especially do we pray for the Knox family and also the King family. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would help them as they go through the grieving process. And Father, we pray that you would uh, help them to look to you for the strength and the the courage that they need in times like these. Father, we're, we're mindful of all the many blessings of life that you give us. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful for Jesus who gave his life for us and was willing to come and, and willingly gave his life and shed his blood that we might have hope in life. Our Father, we pray that you would uh, help this worship service to be acceptable in your sight. Father, watch over us and bless us, is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. The invitation song tonight will be on page 368. 368. Before that, uh, we'll be singing on page uh, 536. 536. And if you will, please stand. There is a habitation built by the living God for all of every nation who seek that grand abode. Oh, Zion, Zion, I long thy gates to see. Yeah. 
Appreciate all of you here tonight. I know we have several who are out at the area-wide Devo. I didn't get a count. I don't have my phone with me, so we have 28. That's great. 28. Thank you. Um, So we're doing a lesson series on grace, and I continue to pray for the ability to communicate in an effective way, a clear way, where we can understand grace, appreciate grace, and um, and understand as, as brethren in, in the Lord's body that grace is, in fact, uh, a free gift, not one that we have to keep re-earning or re-upping. Um, there are so many of our brethren, sadly, who think that they might just barely squeak into heaven, and if they could just do more, surely that's going to you know, weigh the balance in their favor. And I don't know how we can get across this idea that grace is a gift. It's, it's a free gift from God. Nothing that we have done can earn it. We in no way qualify for grace. It's just through his love. And so um, I'm open to ideas, suggestions, thoughts, uh, I, anything that will help us better understand this idea of, of grace. And so that's why I've titled the series Rethinking Grace. Uh, I can't speak for others. I know that I didn't hear many lessons on grace growing up. Uh, in, the, in the Lord's church. And so we admittedly are ignorant about the subject. And there's other religious groups maybe that do a, a lot better job at teaching the concept of grace. We do a lot of things very well. Grace is not one of them. And so hopefully we can, we can begin to make up for lost ground and, and be more appreciative and, and grateful for the wonderful grace he's given us. Turn to 131. Uh, it's in your hymn book. By the way, um, I noticed we slid in a paperless hymnal tonight. Uh, did y'all notice that up there, the white screen? And, and the white screen includes all the words and the music for those of you that are musically inclined that can actually read music, and it tells you the different parts. But we're considering maybe going to the paperless hymnal which doesn't mean you don't have to look down at a book. You can look up and sing and project your voice and see the music. So if you're an advocate of the paperless hymnal and want to go that direction, I am. I am. And we appreciate Stephen doing some research on that and kind of giving a proposal to the, to the elders. But we've proven that we can do it. We've, got the, we've already got the license to, to broadcast that and... And uh, we've got the technology, we've got the AV crew, it's already, it worked, and he kind of slipped it in. I like that. And so if you're a, a fan of the paperless hymnal, uh, let the elders know, hey, I'd like to go that direction. It would be a, a small investment, not terribly, terribly expensive, but it would cost us something. One thing I like is that you can uh, do downloads through the computer and update your paperless hymnal and add songs and you don't have to buy new books so that's a nice thought um but anyway think about that and pray about it and talk to howard gene or bobby if if you if you like the paperless hymnal i I personally believe that's the way to go i've seen it in several congregations it's the number one 
application for music in all the churches of Christ that use a projection system is the paperless hymnal. So, all right, thank you very much, and I'll pick up my check from Paperless Hymnal Company for that endorsement. 131, Grace Graded. All I want to do is look at stanza three as we introduce this concept of grace tonight. And um, thank you, Dale, for, for leading. And I said, oh, you guys have to sing with the old people tonight. And they didn't go to the area wide because Dale was leading singing, but all, all of the three guys were together. So thank you for, for that song, leading Dale, and for y'all being here. Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace, freely bestowed. So I want you to think about that word freely. Grace is a gift, and because it is a gift, it's given to us free. You know, Jesus didn't hang on the cross and in his dying breath say, you will pay for this. Did he? Is that what he said? You'll pay for this. This is going to cost you. No. Now, in one sense, um, Giving our life over to Jesus and submitting to him is a very costly proposition. All right, think about it. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, uh, check into a five-star hotel for a life of ease. Is that what he said? If you want to be my disciple, he said, pick up your, your instrument of death. I want you to die with me. So if, if I were to say being a disciple is, will cost you nothing, I'd be lying. Uh, it costs you everything. Being a disciple of Jesus is horrifically expensive, but yet you're free to spend an eternity with the Lord. You know, it's kind of like the transmission uh, commercial, pay me now or pay me later. You know, uh, I, I'd rather invest in the Lord right now and have an eternity with him of bliss and joy and happiness with my brethren than to have just a little short time of joy, supposedly, and suffer in in hell eternally. So marvelous, infinite, matchless grace, freely. It's free. Grace is free. It's freely bestowed on all who believe. You to their longing to see his face, will you this moment his grace receive? So, Part of my my challenge in bringing this lesson series is, okay, if grace is really a free gift, how do we receive it? How do we keep it? Do we stay in it or can we lose it? Um, And so we're rethinking all these things about grace. And then this beautiful chorus refrain, grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within, grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sins. So I, I just tried to pick a song tonight that would maybe help us focus on this idea of grace. So grace that is greater than all our sin, the next slide says basically that in the Bible, it tells us that um, sin is the problem. You know, when sin entered the world, there were all kinds of effects. We know in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned, there, it says their eyes were open. What that means is they became aware of all kinds of things Uh, sin entered the world. Uh, We believe that in a fallen world that maybe um, instead of the perfection of the garden and all the animals living and cohabitating peacefully and maybe eating herbs, all of a sudden, you know what they did? They probably turned on each other and there was blood shed. Think about it. What was the first blood shed 
that we're aware of in the garden, that's when they sinned. There was an animal that had to give up its right skin. Garments were made for them. Maybe the first animal died because of man's sin. I don't know. Think about it. God could have just created a garment out of nothing, or he could have taken it from an animal and made a skin, a clothing. But animals can't live without skin, so maybe an animal died. Think about it. The consequences of sin, uh, and as we go on, we see woman's pain in childbirth increased. Um, death was a consequence of sin, remember? The devil said, you won't die. Well, he lied, right? Because we do die. I do funerals all the time. We have funerals continually. People do die. And so sin is going to be an issue. Um, it causes death, and there's so many consequences of a, of a fallen world, as Meg says. We talk about suffering and, and hardship, and Meg says, you know, we, we live in a fallen world. Now, the, the religious reformer, and I'm not advocating Calvinism, but John Calvin, who was a reformer, he came from France. He had uh, one of his, his ideas on, on doctrine called total depravity. I, I think Calvin was really on the right track in a lot of areas, and I agree with him in principle, but I think he went too far uh, in his religious thought. But I, I agree with Calvin as far as his idea of total depravity, with the exception of, of the fact that little children are born into the world with sin. I disagree with him there. A, a beautiful, precious little child is sinless and perfect in God's sight. But total depravity is this idea that man, mankind in his depraved state, in his sinful state, is hopelessly lost. And I think we would all agree that there's really nothing we can do to save ourselves. It's something God has to do for us. And on the next slide, I just give the tulip uh, acrostic, which is a, a Calvinistic teaching, the total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, perseverance of the saints. It's an interesting um, theory. I don't agree with all of his theories. I, I agree with some principles of Calvinistic doctrine. But total depravity, we're probably fairly close on that with the exception of, of born or inherited sin. So what does the Bible say? That's the most important thing. And in Romans 3.10, the Bible says that there are none righteous, not even one. So no matter how hard anybody, no matter how good they are, they're still sinful. They commit sin and they're lost, Okay. And in Ephesians chapter 2, I'll ask you to go ahead and turn to that because that's sort of our key text for this series on grace. i ask you to turn to Ephesians 2. We're going to look at verse 1 and 5. I'll give you just a moment to turn there. Look at verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. So there we see very quickly that death is a result of sin. And sin causes death. All of us sin. The wages of sin is death. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans tells us. Paul is, is setting this up in the beginning of Ephesians 2 by saying, All of us, myself included, have fallen short of God's perfection because of our sin. 
And the culprit here he talks about is the prince of the power of the air. We also know him as the devil or Satan. He's now at work uh, in the sons of disobedience in whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. So he's saying basically we all have come from a lost position. And if you drop down to verse 5, read that as well. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, um, that we were made, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So I just wanted to establish tonight, unequivocally, make that clear, that Ephesians 2, 1 and 5, and Colossians 2, 13, both of those talk about being dead in our sins or trespasses. So the universality of lostness, we all are lost because of sin. And in Colossians 2.13, we, we see the same thing. When you were dead in your sins, if you can advance to the next slide in Colossians 2. When you were dead in your sins. So what is, what is death? It's not a literal death. I mean, we know that sin leads to death. But when he says you're dead in your sins, I think he's talking about this separation from God, okay? Death is a consequence of sin, but when he says you were dead in your sins, it means that you lived in a state of separation. And, and I want to talk about how that's supported through the Bible. What's the cause of separation? Sin. Sin separates us from God. And I have a presentation called The Bridge. It's a, it's a gospel presentation that I, I like to share with people. And we talk about man's universal sin problem. Uh, what does sin do? It causes separation. In the next slide, we have Isaiah 59, verse 2. And I quote that in the study. Let's read that together. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. So iniquity, another word for iniquity is sin, a bunch of sin, a pile of sin. All of your sin have made a separation. So basically, uh, why do we need, we need grace? We need grace because of the universality of sin. Mankind sins. Um, Romans tells us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. So sin ultimately does cause death. And so we've seen in the Bible tonight of our sin problem leading to death. So here's a question that I asked, sort of a rhetorical question. Can man overcome this terrible death sentence by paying back the debt through hard work? See, that's what I love about Americans. Yeah, I see y'all shaking your head. No, no, you can't pay back that, that death penalty. Uh, we think if we just work hard in America, you know, that's the backbone of what made us a great country, right? The Industrial Revolution and people working hard and the great generation that went off to World War II, people that worked out in the fields and the farms and hard-working people. So if I just work hard enough, maybe I can pay the debt back. Well, the answer is no. We can't pay the debt back through hard work. This was where God... Uh, gets involved with us. God gives us a free gift. And that's hard for us, those of us that want to work hard. And I appreciate a hard work ethic. Those who want to earn their keep. So free is hard for us to really comprehend. Free gift. God gave us salvation free. 
If we look at this idea of free and gift, if you were to do a search using a Bible app, it shows up several times in the Bible. Let me just give you some examples. And in the meantime, while we're looking at this, turn to Romans 5, because this did show up several times in Romans 5. Free and gift show up in those passages. What are the Romans 3.24, Romans 5, 15, 16, 17, 18, Romans 6, 23, 2 Corinthians 9, 15, Acts 8, 20, John 4, 10. Free and gift. So in Romans 5, we'll just spend a minute visiting that. Let's drop down to verse 15. Here he talks about, uh, if you go back in context, in verse 12, if you want to back up just a little bit, he's talking about what Adam and what did Adam bring us. Just as sin came into the world through one man, that is through Adam in the garden, that's where sin entered the process, and death through sin, so death spread to all men. So there's that, again, I kept using the phrase universality of sin. That's it right there. Where did it enter the world? The garden through man's sin, and then sin really took off. I mean, look at the, the first two brothers that walked on the earth. Did they have sin issues? <laughs> One did, right? The Lord told Cain and Abel, he, he told Cain, he said, sin is crouching at your door. You don't let it be a master over you. But unfortunately, because of his jealousy that he felt when the Lord felt one uh, gift or sacrifice more acceptable than the other, He killed his brother. For sin indeed was in the world, verse 13, before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. Then he mentions in verse 15 this idea of the free gift, and it shows up quite a bit. It's a free gift. All right? And then look at verse 16. It's a, there it is again, free gift. It shows up again in verse 16. The free gift following many trespasses brought justification. So if because of one man's trespass death death reigned through the one man, Adam, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the, wow, there it is again, free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So it's no surprise to us that this free gift was ushered to us, brought to us, delivered to us through Jesus Christ. Praise God that he sent himself through the Son, Jesus, God in the flesh. He ushered in this free gift. Now, I've really struggled, and I'm glad you guys are here tonight, by the way, because you'll appreciate this illustration, right? But anyway, I wanted to close with a illustration from Aladdin, which was in 1990. Do y'all remember Aladdin? Yeah, I know Will's seen it, right? Will's seen all the movies. Anyway, Aladdin's kind of a neat... I've got a graphic here of Aladdin. You may remember the movie, The Magic Carpet Ride, The Genie. Um, it was Robin Williams, a comedian. Yeah, he was a little obnoxious, but funny, but... But anyway, Aladdin, I want to focus on Aladdin because something in this movie spoke to me 
when I saw Aladdin, when he's first introduced, is he, does he have status? What do you think? Okay, Will is shaking his head. Um, he doesn't have status. I think, help me out, is he an orphan? Really? Okay. The street rat. How'd you like that title growing up? I was born into a middle-class home where we had lots of food to eat, and I went to public schools. I had dental care, good medical care, uh, much unlike Aladdin, the orphaned street rat. Am I on track here? I think in order for him to eat, he had to steal. Is that correct? And he wasn't liked. Okay. Now, at this point, is he a good candidate for college? Probably not, right? Who wants a street rat that smells and steals and lives on the street? And, uh, you know, he learns to survive because there's nobody there really to care for him or reach out to him, right? He He wasn't snatched up but one of these benevolent groups that have orphanages and said, let's rebuild your life. We can make you into something wonderful, right? Of course, we know in Aladdin, at least, he fell in love with a... Didn't she conceal her identity? I think she did at first. And they kind of... There was this chemistry between the two. And anyway, he ended up falling in love with the princess of the king, right? But the king's security detail knew about the street rat, and they didn't want anything to do with it. And there was another villain in the movie and... But anyway, my my heart kind of went out to Aladdin because I'm thinking the guy is doing the best he can, but there's no hope for him. There is just absolutely no way he's ever going to become anything because he's a street rat, homeless, orphan, who steals to survive. And in one scene, it really, really spoke to me, if you go to the next slide, where he looks up and indignantly says, I'm not worthless. I don't know what your upbringing was, probably not like Aladdin, right, on the streets. There may have been some people who grew up on the streets and became members of the Lord's Church, but here's where I'm going with this illustration, guys. I want you to envision somebody like Aladdin in a metropolitan city, right? They're orphaned, they have no mama, they have no daddy, they've grown up in a violent, drug-filled environment where they steal to survive, They do whatever they have to do, lie, steal, and cheat, to live from one day to the next. Literally, living on the street. Have you got that in your mind? Hungry, often, right? Dumpster diving to survive. By the way, there's there's people like this in America, right? Street rats who feel worthless. You got that image in your mind? Okay. So, sitting out there one day trying to figure out how to put food in his belly, this orphan street rat out there in this metropolitan city who's done terrible things just to survive, has a man that's very distinguished who stops and looks at him. He can't avoid eye contact. He's looking at him. He's like, you looking at me? Can I help you? You need some? Yes, sir. 
I'm offering you an invitation. And he hands him an envelope with a gold seal. An invitation. From whom? The king. He wants you to come to the palace. Say what? He's inviting you to a meal. The palace, the king. Why me? I've been asked to invite you. The answer is, what? Are you coming or not? Would you like a meal at the palace by invitation of the king? He's thinking, no, you're a kid, right? Me? Come at this time. So, out of curiosity and unbelieving that this is legitimate, he goes and they prepare a bath. They give him a brand new set of clothes and he sits down at a banquet table and he eats the most beautiful, scrumptious meal he's ever had prepared in his life. He can't believe, I mean, the silverware is not silver, it's gold-plated. Like, wow, there's candles, it's elaborate, beautiful. He and three other guests are sitting there with the king. They converse back and forth. Why are we here, they ask. Why are we here? And it appears that, at least in this occasion, in my example, the king is a very benevolent and kind person who wants to show kindness toward people who need He says, I have a proposition for you, and you're probably wondering why I've asked you to come. But I want you to come and live in the palace with me. You see, what you're experiencing tonight, I'm offering to you for the rest of your life. You can have clothing, food, eat at my table. I'm considering you a candidate to live in the palace and be my family. Will you accept? And so this young man swallows hard. He can't believe what he's hearing. He lays in bed all night in this beautiful room prepared for him, and he can't sleep. He's like, this can't, this is a dream. This can't be real. Why, why am I here? Why? There's something, there's a trick. There's something going on here. This isn't legitimate. But yet the next day, He's invited to the king's table, and he eats again. And the next day, and so after about a week, the king is there, and and the king notices him going out. Where are you going, he asks. Well, I have a job. I feel obligated to repay you. What? Repay me, he says. I'm offering you this palace as a home. These meals are a benefit to you that are free. You owe me nothing. Oh, no, 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 king, but you've been so kind and generous in offering this to me. I feel obligated. I feel a duty to repay you. And so I want to ask you just a simple question tonight. If this young man who had been shown kindness by the king repaid him, Would it really be a gift? Would it be a gift? The answer is no. And you see, that's what grace is, isn't it? It's a gift. 
When God takes us as street rats who have no hope and we're lost in our sin, and there's nothing we can do to save ourselves since it's come to my palace, eat at my table, be my son, when he dresses us in the finest robes and promises us a life of love and care, we can't go out. We can't sneak out and try to work and repay him because it wouldn't be a gift. But now we know if we take this parallel, this story, and equate it with God, God simply says, you need to love my son, and I want to adopt you into my family and call you my child. I have sons and daughters, many who I've called. I would like you to go out and tell others about my love and kindness and my grace, and that this invitation is open to those who will accept. It's free. And for you to continue to live and be blessed under my roof and my palace, all I ask is that you love me, you follow the house rules, you're kind to other people, be kind to my son, and tell others. You don't have to go work for this. It's a gift. You see, it's too good to be true. We just don't understand. We don't comprehend. God has given us the gift. And all he asks in return is for us to tell others of his love and his grace and what the Son has done for us. And so I'd like to think that if there are people out there that are saying, I'm not worthless, that we can say to them, let me tell you about the King." Let me tell you about the king. You see, he was humiliated, our next slide says, at his unfortunate circumstances. And he was told, you're a worthless street rat. You were born a street rat. You'll die a street rat. But in our example, in our illustration tonight, we see that he was invited to the house of a king. I feel like sometimes person that's condemned to die. And Jesus came and said, let me bear your burdens. Let me pay the price. Let me do that on the cross and show you how much I love you. And so I want to go back and close tonight and just read the third stanza one more time of grace greater than our sin. Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace freely bestowed on all who believe. You that are longing to see his face, will you this moment his grace receive? Marvelous grace, infinite grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within, grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. I hope this illustration, as silly as it is, makes sense. Because we understand how absurd it would be for somebody that lives in the house of the king to try to go out and somehow get a job and pay the king back. A gift is not a gift if it has to be repaid, if it has to be earned. A gift is a gift, and we must enjoy it, appreciate it, and use it, and by all means, tell others, because that's what grace is. It is a free gift that removes our sin. Too good to be true? Not when God's involved. And so we should be joyful. I consider myself 
a child who has been adopted by the king, who has been given the palace, inherited the kingdom, promised an eternity in heaven. These are gifts greater than I can even imagine, and certainly I did nothing to deserve them. Yet here I am, a child of God. The invitation is yours tonight, and if you need to respond, we invite you. I hope this message somehow touched your heart, made you rethink grace. If it does, we're on the right track. <laughs> Let's stand and sing together as Dale leads us. All to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily. Before we dismiss, I just wanted to say uh, publicly thank you to Howard for organizing our men's retreat. I know the men that went on it uh, really enjoyed it. Thank you. And uh, I don't know if you've talked to these guys over here, but we got to do this again. Like Noah said, he's ready to go next weekend. But I told him maybe once a year, right? So, but thank you, Howard, for your organization. Brother uh, Raby did a great job. And I think probably the thing that was most exciting to me was the quality and the quantity of our men's discussion. And uh, it was so uplifting. And if you didn't go, I'm sorry, but we're going to have another one, right? Okay. So another retreat. And uh, thank you, Howard. Appreciate your leadership. If you uh, haven't partaken of the Lord's Supper, uh, as we sing this last song, it's available in, in the back. Page 695. I've got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. I've got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. I've got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. Look away beyond the blue. Do Lord, oh do Lord, oh do remember me. 
me. Do, Lord, oh, do, Lord, oh, do remember me. Do, Lord, oh, do, Lord, oh, do remember me. Look away beyond the blue. I took Jesus as my Savior, you take him too. I took Jesus as my Savior, you take him too. I took Jesus as my Savior, you take him too. Look away beyond the blue. Do, Lord, oh, do, Lord, oh, do remember me. Do, Lord, oh, do, Lord, oh, do remember me. Do, Lord, oh, do, Lord, oh, do remember me. Look away beyond the blue. Let's pray together. God, our Lord, our Father, we are so thankful, Father, that we can come to you, Father, that we can lay our wants before you, uh, that we can give you thanks, Father, for all that you have created. Uh, we're so grateful, Father, for all that we have. Lord, we pray that you'll help us uh, as we uh, struggle at times, Father, to overcome those temptations that are set before us, uh, that you'll help us, Father, to um, study your word constantly, Father, uh, and, and, Father, find ways that uh, we can overcome those temptations, uh, that you help us, Father, to identify those areas where we're weak, uh, that you help us to, to lean upon one another when we need help. Father, we're so thankful for congregation that, that meets here, Father, uh, of your people. And we pray, Lord, that you'll help us to, to truly be brothers and sisters, Father, uh, that we, Father, can uh, work together uh, to spread your word, Father, and this community, Father, throughout the world. Lord, we pray that you help us to uh, fix our vision at times, Father, uh, that you'll help us to see uh, those people that we meet uh, daily, Father, as, as souls, Father, that need to be one for you, that we won't look, Father, at uh, what their uh, status is, Father. We won't look, Father, at how uh, they act, Father, but we will see them, Father, as a soul that needs to be one for you. Lord, we'll pray that you'll give us strength and courage every day to um, fight for your word, uh, that we, Father, will stand up uh, to your adversary, that we, Father, will um, not give in to those temptations. Uh, Father, we can not thank you enough for all that uh, we have, but we're so grateful, Father, for Christ. Uh, we're so th grateful that he came and, and provides us a way of salvation, Father. Uh, we're so grateful, Lord, that you had this plan and that he was willing, Father, to come to this earth to fulfill it. Uh, Lord, we're so thankful the the mercy that you show us. We're so thankful, Father, for that grace, uh, that grace, Father, that we uh, need in order to spend eternity with you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat>